Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. And gorgeous. Thank you, baby. Simply gorgeous as per usual. On the inside and the outside? That's right, honey. You already know. Also, I just ordered a pizza and I have never felt so gorgeous. Oh, I ordered Thai tonight. What kind? Pad Thai, but I got it medium, like medium spice level, but they give you the little chilies. And I truly did not put any of the chilies on top because it was already really spicy. Wait, wasn't there a time when I put chilies on and then it ruined it? Was that you or was that someone else? Me, we were at my apartment and we got food from Im Thai, but you put all the chilies all over your Pad Thai because I think you just thought it was a sauce. And it was like hardcore hot chilies. And I thought it was a sauce. Um, Yeah, that wasn't a cute moment. Oh, I called them and I was like, can you guys send me another one? (laughs) I messed up. And they were like, honestly, sure. (laughs) They sent me a new one. They were so nice about it, but I remember they said, oh no, we're very sure we gave you the mild. And you're like, oh, but it's really spicy. Oh wait, I lied to them. Oh my God, I lied. Yeah. You didn't tell them you poured the chilies in there. Oh my God. In my memory, I was telling the truth. No, you have to cut this out now. Cause now I seem like I'm like putting small businesses out of business. You're fine. I'm not cutting this out. You need to be authentic to you. Persis. Listen, M Thai in Toronto, if you're listening, I'm really sorry I did that. I just really wanted some Thai food and I really messed up with the chilies. You know, you guys should label the chilies as, you know, chilies before you just toss them in a little container and hope that we know what to do with them. So it's like a little bit of feedback and a little bit of an apology all rolled into one. I'm so, so sorry. Overall, we love you, M Thai. Their food is delicious. We love you so much. Purse, what else do we love? Just like a go, oh, 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 watch me go, mm. go, go, mm. Uh, mm. Uh. You know, yeah. I was just setting you up to sing. That's all I was trying to do. Yes, I know. You always want me to sing, sing sweet nothings into your ear. Listen, I love your voice. It's like an angel. It's like a ghost. Yeah, it's like, a, it's not like an angel. It's like a ghost haunting me. <laughs> Probably actually, that's more accurate. Guys, you all know the song Persis was singing. Today, we are talking to the one and only Canadian rock star of our childhood and our adolescence and our future. It's Fifi Dobson. And our future. That is so true. She is a part of all parts of our life. She never leaves us, Fifi, never. An icon in music. And we actually talked to her about the fact that she's an icon and whether she knows it or not. And I think she knows it, even though she wouldn't really admit it. Born in Scarborough. We all knew her when she came out with her first album that had hits like Take Me Away, Bye Bye Boyfriend, Everything. I actually just recently fell back in love with the song Everything. And then she came back in 2010 with Ghost, Stuttering, Bangers, Hits. Yeah. And obviously being a woman of color, I always knew Fifi's music was important to me. And there was something about Fifi though, that like really drew me to her. And when I was younger, I wasn't exactly always sure what that was. I was just very intrigued by Fifi. She tells us about her journey through the industry and it wasn't always the easiest, but the most important thing is Fifi knew what she wanted and she stuck to being her true authentic self. She is also really loved and embraced by the queer community. And that was really important for us to have someone who's made that impact. Yeah, she's had such an impact on the queer community and drag in particular, like 
honestly go to most drag shows in Toronto, especially. And that's, you know, the city where we've seen most of our drag shows, you and I, and there's typically at least one queen doing something involving ghost stuttering, taking away like the big hits. And Fifi was just a guest judge on um, Canada's drag race. So we talked to her about all this and kind of like why she thinks that her music and her persona have made such an impact in the queer community because it's not, it's about her music, but it's also just about who she is and like what she, how she shows up in everything she does. She is unabashedly like fearless. She doesn't apologize for who she is. And it's so badass. It doesn't surprise us at all that she was embraced by the queer community, but we think it actually might've surprised her a little bit. And she talks about that. She didn't actually realize that it was a thing um, until Drag Race. So we go into all the details and it was really cool to talk to someone who I would watch on much music when I was 10 years old. Fifi is a woman of color in pop punk music and in a genre where it wasn't very common to be black and be in pop punk. Um, So she was really a trailblazer. And we talk about that more with her in this conversation that we're really excited for you guys to hear. Yeah. And especially, I mean, we're celebrating Black History Month here at Girl on Girl slash every single month, obviously. And it was cool to talk to her about like the adversity she faced, but also also the fact that like her blackness didn't change the way she showed up in the music industry. You know what I mean? Like she just showed up as herself. Her blackness is what made her an icon for so many young women of color like you. But Fifi, once again, thank you again for taking the time to chat with Sarah and I. We love you. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode, a conversation with Fifi Dobson. Listening to stuttering for the rest of my life. Bye. Obviously. Dobson, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. We're doing so good. Love your look today. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Nashville. You live there, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Do you like it? Do you miss Canada? Um, I, I mean, I love Toronto, you know, uh, I don't miss the weather right now. Oh, hell no. Hell no. Um, (laughs) so I'm enjoying this time here and, you know, before I go back out there to work to Toronto. We're so stoked to hear. We're so excited to talk to you. We're like massive fans. We're not even going to pretend to not fangirl. Like we absolutely love you. We've loved you since day one. We talked to a whole bunch of different guests about all sorts of different topics, but we're so excited to talk to you because we haven't talked to as a queer icon yet in the music industry like you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Your music is loved by the queer community. I love that. I love that. And we're excited to talk to you about like why you think that is. We have some ideas. We've talked about it many times. But just to start out, I mean, you don't need any introduction. Usually we ask our guests, like, tell us a bit about yourself. But everyone knows Fifi, Fifi Dobson. Um, (laughs) From the top, like, you probably get this question a lot. But how did you even start songwriting? What was like, do you remember the first song you ever wrote? Uh, Yeah, well, Kind of. I actually had like a little, I was obsessed with Hanson growing up. And um, so I started like a little trio uh, in elementary school and we tried to write songs about playgrounds and um, <laughs> Venus flytrap. I don't know why I wrote about that too. It's, she was she was a lot older than me, like a little bit older than me, the, the main singer, well, the main writer with me. And she was writing about Venus flytrap. I have no idea. Uh, and um we yeah so we started this little band and then after that I kind of just got into poetry and then I actually wrote for a local boy band that I had heard about through Speaker's Corner and um, I was at home I was like 14 and I wrote them and I was like I'll write you guys a song so I wrote the song called Baby It's You inspired by NSYNC of course (laughs) of course of course and then they sang it and recorded it and everything so I've always kind of dabbled into writing since I was young and so they recorded that song when yeah when they did were you were you surprised were you like oh shit i could maybe do this well yeah i mean i was literally in elementary school um i hadn't even got to high school yet and wow. or i might have just gotten to high school i don't remember everything's a blur at this point amen <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Anyway, I was really young. I was like 13, 14. And I guess that's grade nine. I'm not sure. But anyway, they came to my house and um, I was so stoked because I had boys in my room for the first time. And that <laughs> that's was like awesome. the dream. Like 14 yeah, year old awesome. you. Yeah, and they were like 18, and I was like, I have the song, and I slipped it to them, and then they sang it, and they recorded it, and I think they got some, like, love from the industry, like, you know, they were, they were trying to get signed, basically, Right. and uh, one of the members actually turned out to be uh, one of the members that, I don't know if you guys remember the band ID, the boy band ID, they came out for a split second in Toronto, and yes. um, one of the members actually was from that original uh, Speaker's Corner reach out so no way um yeah so it's it's interesting very interesting have you ever felt cooler than that moment when they were in your room and you were passing them a song that they were gonna love and record um yeah I felt pretty cool but I also was like when I look back I had like NSYNC posters everywhere and like Britney <laughs> and like I had like the marionettes hanging and they were probably just like who is this little girl but you're like listen yeah. here's a song so yeah, there we listen, go. Okay. <laughs> listen, I'm about to make you a star. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. Well, speaking of like NSYNC and Britney, like who were your inspirations growing up? Uh, they were all over the map, you know, from uh, Judy Garland, because I'm a big theater um, person. I love music theater um, mm -hmm. to Kurt Cobain to uh, Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam and Janet Jackson um yeah it, it goes it goes all over the place bgs everyone uh lionel richie i love them all for different reasons so i grew up on a lot of music i was submerged in a lot of different genres yeah i feel like that reflected in your music too yeah i i mean i was very fortunate that way the only uh band i never got introduced to which was very weird and I asked my mom about this and I was very stressed out about it actually <laughs> uh, she never played a Beatles record and no way. yeah I didn't get to like really learn about the Beatles or have my first Beatles CD until I was like 16 um she was like oh. it reminds me of my mom and I was like it reminds you of grandma okay well thanks for not getting <laughs> me into the Beatles like <laughs> so now I'm a, I'm a huge Beatles fan but like yeah it, I did not get that from my mom, which was very unfortunate. The one thing she dropped the ball on. The I know, Beatles. right? I know. That's amazing. And then how old were you when Take Me Away dropped? Were you 15? It was our first introduction to you for sure. I think most of most of the world's first introduction to you. Uh, when Take Me Away or, well, Bye Bye Boyfriend kind of was first, but it was just Canadian single. Yeah. Um, and I was, I think, 17, 18. But Take Me Away was right after that. So I was about 18. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. When we released a single and all that stuff. When you were writing it slash releasing it, did you have an idea it might hit? Like, was that in your, in your plan? Or were you, did you not think that it would hit the way it did? With Take Me Away? Yeah. Uh, well, it was actually the, one of the last songs we added to the album. And it was because we needed, we needed a single. We had a lot of artsy tracks and yeah. fun tracks and stuff like that and deep deep records, but we didn't have that single. So I went back into the studio in New York, I think it was, um, and we wrote it out there. Oh no, we wrote it in Toronto and then brought it to New York to record. But mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was just, a, it was just an add on really. That's funny. You wrote it for the purpose of being a single and then it, and then it hit so hard. Like, was there, was there like a story behind the song or was it more like we're, we're writing this because we need a hit? Um, we knew we had to do something upbeat, um, but it was written about, cause again, my obsession with NSYNC, the Justin Timberlake was like my big obsession. And so, uh, mm -hmm. take me away is about him. And it, about Justin at that point. I mean, the blue eyes Stop. and like- love that. Yeah, yeah, it was all about like <laughs> I, manifesting. <laughs> it was all about manifesting him and like, like talks about kind of like, yeah, it talks about like the posters on my wall kind of in a slight way and which was funny because the song's called Take Me Away and then he ended up taking me on tour. That was my first European tour. So he did take me away to, to Europe. Uh, so manifesting is real. <laughs> if no one believes manifesting is real, like prime example, you literally, wrote a song about JT and you were opening for him on tour. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, I kind of kept it to myself for years that it was about him because I didn't want to seem like the stalker girl. 
But now I don't care. <laughs> no, it's like whatever. Now, now you just have to say it exactly. Yeah. Now I'm a stalker girl. It's all good. If I were Justin, I'd be so honored. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. I'm gonna look back at the lyrics now and be like, oh yes. Now I can like. Yeah, it was like, it like a 17, 18 year old just being very like obsessive, like boy crazy, and it's so it's yeah. so specific. Like it talking about looking to his eyes, ocean blue, and all this. It's very yes. specific. Oh my I god! What was that tour like? Was that your first big tour? Yeah, it was my first really big tour. I mean, I had done radio shows, and back in the day, radio shows were really big. Like you would have people on this, like you would have from Lenny Kravitz, Janet Jackson, Pharrell, me. You know, yeah. what I mean? it was like back in the day, radio shows were insane. Yeah. Um, stadium shows, you know. Um, but that was my really first. That was my big first like opener tour with a really big headliner. So yeah, it was pretty magical. Was it intimidating or were you like, okay. Oh, extremely intimidating at first because we pulled in with this little van and he had like 99 trucks or something like that. So we pull in <laughs> like backstage and like the whole, you know, stadiums open up and stuff like that. And um, we were like, <laughs> we're like, where are we? It was like the Wizard of Oz. It was crazy. <laughs> Everything was in color all of a sudden. Um, and meeting him was was crazy. It was just one of those, you know. I had to be like, really, you know, really like, hey, nice to meet you, man. Cool. Yeah, like, hey, what's you up? Know, I tried to be all tough, like, what up, Perfect. dude? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna whoop your ass on stage. I know who you are. <laughs> um, but yeah. then after he left, it was always like, oh my god. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, when you just like so, let the emotions release, and you're like, okay, yeah, I can breathe. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, last question about this. Did you ever tell him the song was about him? Do you think he knows? No, I've never, I've never told him. <laughs> I wonder if he had an idea. I bet not. You'd have to be pretty know. narcissistic to be like that. Yeah, that's like, about me. me. <laughs> that's about me. Every song is about me. Yeah, yeah no, no. It's maybe somewhere down the line it'll come come out through pop culture and it'll be like yeah, you know. But maybe he'll listen to this podcast. You know, JT's a big fan. We're manifesting it, Sarah. There we go. I'm gonna write manifest it down this. in my journal. It's happening. I love it. Where are you guys in? In Toronto? I'm in Toronto. Yeah, and I'm in I'm in Vancouver. Oh wow. So the weather is way better over here. Ontario is just blizzarding. Over here it's sunny, high of 10 today. It's beautiful. I'm so jealous. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like 60 something today, which I don't know what that is in is it Fahrenheit? It feels nice. Yeah, we're Celsius. It feels nice and hot though. 60 something. Yeah, six, yeah, exactly. It's close to 100. So the closer to 100, the warmer. <laughs> Not the same over here, guys. I'm hermiting in my apartment because it's you so know. bad outside. Ah, uh, yeah. Sure. Or purse. I know. All right. Fifi, for real, like you were an absolute trailblazer during that time and coming out in like pop punk music. And we just wanted to know, like, did you know that like being a black woman in that genre would set you apart from your peers and who was also there around that time? Um, I didn't really think about it, honestly, when I did it. it. It's all, like, the genre that I chose to do was because that's that's the one that made sense to me. That's the only thing that spoke to me. You know, I needed to feel like a rebel in my music. I had to express what I was going through as a teenager and my childhood, and, and that's the genre that made the most sense to how I was feeling. Never really thought about it. Mm -hmm. I, maybe I was kind of blind to it or um, very protected, but at, at the beginning I was just like, I'm me, you know, like, yeah, I had insecurities and I, you know, I grew up in Scarborough and I, and you know, my, my mom's white, my dad's black. And I, I never really, I never saw color, you know? And so for me, it was just like, yeah, my hair is really curly. I know I'm not like, I don't look like Avril. I don't look like that, but like, I'm doing pretty good, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really think about it until I was out, until my music came out and I was um, actually put out into the world. And then when I started to hear things and people questioning my color doing the genre I was doing and stuff like that. I really broke my heart because I went in really kind of innocent in it and just wanted to make music and do my dream. Right. 
Yeah, that makes sense that your whole focus would just be the music because that's what you're there for. And that's like, you know. Yeah. Your love. Yeah, music for me right? was my survival. Like I didn't I didn't look at it as like, oh, I want to be famous or I want to do this or I want to do that. I was like, this is all I know since right. I've been a little girl and I don't see anything else. So yeah, so once it, I was kind of like put into the the world of like criticism and like questioning and it was definitely hard. You did this amazing interview with Refinery29 last summer. If anyone listening hasn't read it yet, you have to go read it. It was written by Kathleen Newman Bramang. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. And I just want to read this quote back to you because it's so good, this quote. Like this is exactly how I felt when I first when I first saw the video for Take Me Away. This is how I felt as a white girl growing up in suburban Southern Ontario. But she said, her presence in the pop landscape felt like permission to be black and angry in public. Dobson's singularity gave unspoken approval to millennial black girls to just be whatever they may look like. I call them Dobson descendants, which I'm obsessed with that. Awkward, angsty black girls who were quirky before it was cool and who saw Dobson's popularity as a ticket to the freedom of self-expression. And like I said, white girl growing up in Southern Ontario, I really related to this immediately because you gave me permission to be angry. And that that's what the whole that whole era felt like for me and most of my friends was like, as young girls, we're allowed to be angry and we're allowed to be angry in public. But I think it takes on a whole different layer when right. when you're a woman of color and you're seeing a woman of color who doesn't look like Avril, who doesn't look like Linkin Park, for example. Right. And they're just as angry, if not even more angry. And I feel like Purse has talked about this, like she had that feeling too, as being one of the only brown girls in her entire community. Yeah, mm -hmm. growing up in Whitby, Ontario, for sure. Like. When oh, I wow, saw yeah. you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like, girl, I know. Trust me. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, honestly, like in my high school, all the grade twelves at one point when we were doing like yearbook photos, all the brown girls like took a photo together because I think there was only six or seven of us, and we're just like, okay, wow. here we are. I definitely could see myself in you and your music, and was like a huge, huge fan. Still, am a huge fan, but I really appreciated that seeing that representation because we talk about this on the pod all the time like representation in the media really does matter 100 so, percent um yeah. and and also to touch on that too is like to be angry right but also to like just be honest and you know honesty is so important and I feel like in that time period with music it was very honest which is very important and for females to be able to like not have to show every inch of their body in order to, you know, and when you're young. And when we were young, there was a beautiful innocence about our time, you know? We were still wearing, you know, Converse and getting dirty and running around and beating up on boys and, you know, and like being with your girl and just be like, you know, like, there's a lot of that missing now with young people more young females, I think, in some ways. So I think that we stood for a lot in that time period. Yeah, not just the permission to be angry or honest, but just the permission to be young and like, you know what I mean? The and permission to be young is so real. Yeah. So real. And it's missing nowadays, I definitely think, right? Like even just yeah. seeing how the generation is now compared to us when we were like 13. It's wild. Right, right. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of like a little teeter-tottering on bad here and there on on the generation right now with young females i feel like they have a lot of pressure and you know i think that maybe yes we had pressure of course we did but we only had it in front of our faces you know mm -hmm. and around us we didn't have to deal with the you know for me like the social media aspect of like someone in a completely different country judging me at 15 years old Totally. You know, there's, there's another level at this point with that whole thing. And even back then, like you said earlier, you, you went into it just, you know, the, it was for the music. And then you were kind of, you were kind of hit with the reality of like, okay, people have opinions now. And even like when you, when you were just starting out, you were going to sign a record deal and then things were just weren't working out. We read that some record exec execs wanted to try and like rebrand you a bit and they tried to dub you like Brandy Spears or something like that. And yeah. you basically, you turned it down 
and you went your own way because you had a vision for yourself. You must have been so young. Like what gave you that kind of confidence, especially when you're going into it so innocently, like we're talking about, like you're, you're probably still in those like converse kind of days. And then you're coming into it innocently and hitting this wall of like, oh shit, the industry is going to try and make me something I'm not. Like what gave you that confidence? Yeah, it was definitely hard to turn down in some sense because it's like, you never know if you're going to get another um, chance and yeah. when you're young. And But I just was kind of maybe had an ego. I don't know. I was just like, whatever. You know, there's going to be another option. But I also... Um, Something I've always gone with my gut. I've always gone with my heart, even when it's, I don't know, maybe not always the best. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm kind of that way. So something in my heart just told me that it wasn't right. I just didn't want to do um, any other genre than pop rock. And they mm -hmm. wanted to do something different. Um, but yeah, it was a great opportunity for me to help support my family, my mom, and she's a single mother, you know, single parent. And I knew I could help her with like a, you know, in advance and yeah but I just couldn't do it and I, I was I was fortunate like I said I had a great uh production team with me at that point that was wanting me to like push through and like that's we wrote stupid little love songs kind of like the first one and they were like this is you like don't you see this and I was like yes I was like finally so I really yeah. trusted my production team and I trusted where they were directing me and to my manager a manager and management um Chris Smith and and I felt like I was really being pushed in the right um direction so it was a little a lot easier to say like bye to other people yeah because yeah. you had that cool. support and I most importantly you were staying authentic to you yeah <laughs> man 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 manager I said manager <laughs> Manager. words words what are those same same we know what you're talking about no i'm happy that you had a group around you i was gonna ask you that because i mean you're so young you're still trying to get your foot in the door it helps to have a full team of people being like this is where you need to go and this is how oh yeah for sure i lost your ego yeah i feel like you know it's like a formula it's like pp's ego plus a great support system equals right the right I, it's either an ego or I was absolutely out of my mind at a young age and I was just <laughs> in, absolutely insane. I think we all were a little. Yeah. yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. Being a little crazy. You have to be a little nuts to be in this industry, honestly. It's a really crazy industry. Even to think like one day, like, you know what? I want to get signed by a record deal. And I'm going to have albums in the world. Like, it's so, you have to be a little like, like, okay, all right, sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it takes a certain type of person. You have to, you have to be kind of fearless. Yes. Or you, you have to have fears and just be okay with completely ignoring them. Yeah. Or working with them somehow. I don't know. Work, I totally. Don't know. Fears are interesting. Um, we want to talk to you about, um, your like place in the queer community but we have to ask you first about the joy era because it was absolutely epic and you you kind of had like a little bit of a hiatus you went away for a little and then it felt like the joy era was like a, almost like a comeback because i just i remember like hearing you for the first time i think i must have been 10 and then when joy came out i was in high school and i remember just like going to my best friend and being like fifi's fucking back Fifi is back <laughs> and it, is back. it's about to blow up and then stuttering ghost like what I could imagine it's hard after a little bit of a hiatus to come back that strong was, was there something like fueled you coming back uh for some reason I always take like four or five years off I don't even do it purposely it's like yeah. um well you know we did the first album with take me away and, and the song everything and whatnot and then um Sunday Love, we, we, we worked on that and that didn't get released. So then it was like starting all over again. That took a good five, six years before, I think five right. years or so before um, I Want You and Watch Me Move came out. And that was kind of like just an introduction single. Like that was just like, okay, let's just show yeah. people we're out and, and we're, we're, we're playing around the industry again and we're here. And then um, I went to LA and, and ghosts and stuttering and all that stuff happened so it was uh it's just the way it, it seems to work with me um I don't know why yeah even with this one it's like 
since then, it was like 2012. And then we released Legacy and In Better Hands. Um, And then we went quiet again. So there were a lot of different, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of logistics that happened too. And I was kind of in like um, limbo with trying to figure out some stuff. And, um, but yeah, we're about to release a new single in a couple of weeks and and new album. So exciting. Couple weeks. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Hold on. We were going to ask you about this at the end, but can you just give us a little bit like what's, what's coming up? Can you give us any spoilers or teasers? Well, we shot a video, so that's done. And, um, yeah, it should be coming out. I'm saying, I'm thinking like two and a half weeks. Oh and it's, God. I think they're actually announcing it today. I have Ooh. to ask Danny, but I think Amazing. they announced what it today. Um, okay. And the single is called, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in here on your podcast, yeah. but it's, it's, called, it's called Fucking in Love. So love yes. it. Yes. And I'm so stoked. Is there like a full album coming after? Yeah. Oh it, my God. We're, uh, we're working on it and finishing off, but we wanted to release a single first and ch- kind of just be like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm back. <laughs> Totally. For sure. Yes. For sure. A little reintroduction, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I, I am so excited to hear it. Wow, Me too. wow. 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 Let's talk about you as a queer icon a little bit because we're kind of curious just off the top. Like, was there a point where you realized or figured out that your music was becoming important in the queer community? Like, do you remember having that realization? Like, oh, hold on. I think I might be, I might have a place there or they might like me over there. Uh, for me, I've always felt very comfortable with my sexuality and and my friends and the people around me, um, bi or straight or gay. Um, that's been my world, you know? Um, that's just natural for me um, since I've been young. Uh, yeah. But I don't think I really realized the impact since, like from all, everything I've done, Till Drag Race, love and that, that just happened. So yeah. for me, it really, really touched me. Like I'm very, very deeply in. Um, those tears on that show were 100% very real because I realized the impact at that very moment. Have you ever seen um, one of your songs being performed in drag live? Ghost. Like, like other than was it other than the show? Um, actually, I had a. Now that, that that's that's actually it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I I'm trying to remember if Beatrice did it for me. If she did it for me, um, performed it. There's a drag show in um, the Florida Keys, and uh, I just recently met Beatrice, and she's amazing, and she's one of the headliners there. And I don't remember if she performed Ghost or she, you know, she. Uh, introduced me to the crowd and was very stoked and um we've kept in touch but yeah yeah I think I think Drag Race was one of the first moments for me to really be like oh my goodness like this is this is real and yeah and it really really moved me why do you think like why do you think the queer community and the drag community they embraced you and your music so much like what do you think what do you think it was about you we have some theories but we'd love to see what you think I would love to hear your theories actually I mean, I think I, for me, I I just make my music and try to be as fabulous as I can and try to be as uh, honest in which we talked about earlier and yeah um, and I, I and unapologetic for yes. who I am and what I am and how I look um, and I'm you know I've always been one to to um, start my own uh like if there was a lineup and there was a bunch of people I'm not going to follow them you know I'm going to start my own and that's how I've always been I've since I was young you know so yeah good or bad (laughs) that's just who I am I personally I mean Persis you can speak to this too being the queer one in this in this uh dichotomy but I would say that's exactly how I feel in terms of like why the queer community embraces Fifi so much. We've talked about this before with some of our guests, but um, the reason why like pop icons seem even whether they're queer or not seem to come into the queer zeitgeist is because queer people have to suppress their emotions for so long, like Mm -hmm. for so 
it's different for everyone, but it's like a large amount of time. You're suppressing your emotions. Maybe you're being someone who you're not pretending, you know, it's all suppressed. And then the people who, icons who are theatrical, emotional with their music and with their singing, not afraid to be angry, dramatic. I'm using air quotes, guys, if you're listening. Um, like that is something that the that queer people like latch onto because you're right. it's like, I don't have to suppress anymore. I can express because this person's giving me permission to express. And that's, that. you know, all the way from like Britney to Mariah to Freddie. Fre- oh yes. God, don't even get <laughs> Queen. Like started. <laughs> yeah. But dramatic well, I- was a, a very important one. And I, I, I would definitely say that there's a lot of, like for me on stage, I'm all about drama. So, yeah. and not oh, because yeah. it's just the way I am. I love that you said unapologetic. Like I, I think that along with dramatic is key because queer people have to apologize all the time for who they are mm-hmm. um, in so many different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And so being able to like come into contact with music, a persona, a person who doesn't apologize for who they are, just puts it out there. I mean, that's really powerful. That's, yeah. that's why I feel like the queer community is in love with you. That's yeah. Amazing. And like to like piggyback that. off of that, it's exactly that. Like just being you, being authentic and like the theatrics behind it all is why like I resonated with you like specifically for sure and being a woman of color totally like that was really important for me that's amazing Um, yeah I love it (laughs) and then back to drag really quick so we already talked about it but just in case anyone hasn't seen um Canada's Drag Race Fifi was a guest judge on the show and just the idea of your music being done in drag in general what do you feel that's taught you about the impact of your music or the impact of your artistry oh it's hard (laughs) to put into words honestly um it's very hard to put into words it's more than a a, than a word it's it's a deep soul feeling and it's I mean, again, it comes out. I could not stop myself on the show (laughs) from it. It it, it was like, I was about to ugly cry. I was ugly crying. It was like, so (laughs) it was so deep that I, you know, like some tears fall and you go, okay, my tears have fallen. But when you literally can't breathe. Yeah. You're (laughs) like, I can't control myself. (laughs) I can't control myself and I'm just going to let it all hang out. That's, that's how I felt. That's, Mm -hmm. those are the words I cannot express. Yeah. Yeah. It's ineffable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ineffable. Love that word. I love that word. Yeah, (laughs) It's the word, the word for when you don't have words. Ineffable. There we go. That's beautiful. And your song, Don't Go, Girls and Boys. That's queer like anthem. An, yeah, it's like an underrated queer anthem. And I mean, mostly because of the chorus, right? The Just like the lyrics being like clearly pointing to queer relationships. What were you like mindful of that when you were writing the song? Was there something that inspired you to write that into the lyrics? I've been asked this question and the honest, I just wrote, I didn't even think about it. Um, with that one, I... I wasn't even trying to do it purposely. It was what came out of me naturally. And um, that's how I felt. And, you know, when I was a little girl, I never wore a dress till I was, you know, in my early 20s. I was a tomboy. I, there was a moment in, when I was young where I was like, do I like girls? Do I like boys? You know, I, you know, so for me, it felt very comfortable to, to say that because that's what I felt. That's what mm-hmm. I believed. That's interesting. When, when you were, I had that um, moment too in my, in my growing up experience, do I like girls? Do I like boys? And purse, yeah. you've obviously had like many of those moments in your, in your adolescence. Many, 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 many a moment. <laughs> But when you were going through that moment that I think most people go through, were how did you feel? Were you completely open to figuring it out? Were you kind of suppressing, scared of that question? You know what I mean? Like, were there queer people around you in your community or in your family? Um, no, I didn't have anyone around me in my family, but um, I had music. 
and I could relate to like David Bowie uh, when he said, not sure if I'm a boy or a girl in one of his songs and like stuff like that. So I, I turned to that, you know, but it's just, it's just always been in my life naturally. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's very natural for me to, um, to write like that and to, to, to be there and su- be supportive. Definitely. And also having that like in the lyrics, just so out there is just what's needed, right? Like there does need to be, I think like more songs out there speaking about queer relationships. Like we're definitely getting there now, like compared mm-hmm. to years and years ago, but I still think there needs to be more. And the more people see that, like young queers can hear that and be like, okay, like that's, that's okay if I feel that way, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, and when Don't Go Girls and Boys came out, honestly, there were no songs about queer relationships, at least not explicitly. Not explicitly, yeah. no. Wow. So, yeah, I, I feel like it might have been an even bigger moment than you realize. Yeah, the queer community it's was big. like, whoa, Fifi is saying something. She is saying something. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love I that. I am listening. That's amazing. I got to start performing that one again. Please oh, do. Rap show. Yeah, yes. add, it, add it to your next tour, please. We request. We're requesting that right now. Heck yeah. We'll be in the front row. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Purse, do you have any more questions about queerness? Fifi being a queer icon? Well, like, I was just about to ask you, like, we've mentioned you are a queer icon. And like, we hope you know that. But how do you feel when people say that to you? Like, how do you respond to the word icon? Because we just want to make sure you you absolutely know who um, you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, okay. I get, like, stoked. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, you know? Like, again, it's, the, it's like, what do you say, you know? It's, yeah. It's, it's very humbling. It's very, um, all I can say is thank you, you know? Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank and I you. mean... Bringing it back to this, like me being gay now, but when I was growing up in high school and struggling with my sexuality, so many ups and downs, and being one of the only brown girls in that community, I didn't really see much representation. So like, I just want to thank you for being that person for me to kind of be like, it's okay to be you and you standing out in your genre as well. And actually, I was telling Sarah this right before we were going to interview you, but when I was in high school, my friends would like, call me Fifi Dobson in a way like and I I even got it was was hilarious I was like yeah they did I got like the front bangs in 2014 and I was like (laughs) I truly am channeling stuttering right now ghost I love that it's it's happening I love that that makes me very happy (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing yeah Yeah. um hey I'm I'm excited for you guys to hear the new music and maybe we can get you guys a little special sneak peek or something so you guys can hear it that would be insane we would love that with our whole hearts and by the time this episode airs it'll probably like the release day will probably be announced and everything um but is like is there anything else before we say goodbye that you want to say about the new music anything you want to like plug a little bit uh it's really just about this first single right now called fucking in love and uh it's coming around valentine's day so you know Makes you sense. can definitely sing it to somebody that Ooh. you might fucking love Ooh. um <laughs> that's a great title by the way great title thank you it is. <laughs> thank you but i'm really excited i'm just i'm just excited to get you know music out there and and just show people what i've been up to and what i've been working on and the sound and i'm stoked yeah amazing yeah we're so so are we we're so excited. We're so excited. And we're so grateful that you came and talked to us and took your time. We know you're so busy, but we appreciate you. The queer community appreciates you so much and um, like has so much love for you and throughout the years have like seen themselves so much in you. So thank you for just being you. Always being you. Yeah, yes, thank you. I really you. appreciate it. I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yay. Yay. <laughs> thank you, ladies. It was awesome. Thank you, Phoebe. Have a good day. Thank you, Phoebe. Perfect.
Hers is Abraham. We just interviewed Phoebe Dobson. How are you feeling? I'm feeling so good. Um, so free. I feel like almost, I feel so light. It's almost like I'm a ghost, you know? I just kind of feel like someone could take me away at any moment, you know? Like, and I just, everything, everything feels good. And I don't even feel like stuttering. Like, I just feel completely clear and aligned. Yeah. And just, did you just feel like saying bye-bye boyfriend? I really did. I was waiting for you to bring in bye-bye boyfriend. I, I basically called my boyfriend after that interview and I said, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thanks Phoebe for ending my relationship. Um, Perfect. Uh, no, that was awesome. Let's talk about in case you missed it. This week's in case you missed it is uh, good news. It's a pretty exciting one. Essentially what happened is the Biden administration is going to be paying survivors benefits to LGBTQ plus elders, which to be totally transparent with you guys, I didn't even know that this was an ongoing legal battle. I didn't know that this was an issue. So this was really cool to learn about. Thousands of LGBTQ plus elders who were in long-term relationships before the legalization of same-sex marriage, um, they've been fighting for essentially spousal benefits um, for all those years of not being able to legally be with their spouses. And now they're eligible for survivor's benefits following a year's long battle. Yes. So last November, the Biden administration dismissed the Trump era appeals to court decisions that had actually affirmed the rights of surviving same-sex partners to, respe- to receive sorry, the spousal benefits, even if they were never able to get married or if they were married for less than nine months. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, um, and I feel like it's an exciting win. And we, we were reading about um, about this news in them, which is one of our favorite publications. If you guys haven't heard of it, it's a really great resource for a lot of stuff, but it's really good resource for queer news. And something they were talking about is in this article was just the disparity that LGBTQ plus elders face, especially in terms of poverty. According to a recent report, nearly one third of LGBTQ plus adults ages 65 and older live at or below 200% of the poverty level with 48% of trans elders experiencing poverty. Those numbers are insane. 48% of trans elders experience poverty. WTF. Yeah. That's way too high. It's way too high. It paints a real problem that I didn't even really think about or realize was happening. And it's an exciting step forward to provide survivors benefits to these people who didn't get a chance in their younger days to be with who they wanted to be with, like people do today. Oh yeah, I agree. And I mean, even to think that um, wasn't gay marriage only officially legalized in like 2016 in the U.S. Let me fact check this in the U.S. I'm fact checking it live. Gay gay marriage legalized in the U.S. on June 26, 2015. 2015. Okay. So it was just like seven years ago. Yeah. So not that long ago at all. Well, like Sarah said, this is a really, really good step forward. And I actually, yeah, I wasn't aware of this either. Yeah, I think, and I think, you know, that is kind of in keeping with a lot of elders issues. A lot of people don't even, don't even think about elders in their daily life unless they have one um, or care for one. And I think like it's intersectional, there's queer elder issues, there's race elder issues. And I think like when it comes down to things that are legal now that weren't legal before, I think it's really important to Um, provide people with the rights that they weren't given in the past, no matter their age, but especially our elders, we got to respect them. Especially. And there are a lot of comments here, people saying like good news, but still waiting for African-American elders to be on this list for survivor benefits. Yep. Reparations to indigenous and black communities and the equality act giddy up. So I mean, yes, as much as there's good news, like there is still so much more work to be done. Like what about this? What about that? 
Totally. And like we talk about on the pod all the time, guys, like, yes, we're making progress in moments like this and it's so exciting, but there's always more to be done. And as much as there is to celebrate, there's so much more to remember that hasn't been done yet. So yeah. But I mean, overall, this is good news. This is a good in case you missed it. We're not getting angry. We're we're saying like, thank you to the Biden administration. Thank you. Thank you. And let's keep doing the damn thing. Let's keep doing the damn thing. And let's make sure we're taking care of our elders. All of them, all of them, please. They need us. And um, let's send out some love to our queer elders who um, in the States are, are uh, getting what they deserve. Girl on girl says, we love you. And one day, girl on girl, we are going to be two elderly women rocking in our rocking chairs beside each other on the porch of the house that we share. And we want to make yes. sure that we, you know, have the same rights as everyone else. I want my Percy Buns to have been able to spend her whole life loving whoever she wants, married to whoever she wants, but hopefully me. Um, so question. Yeah. We're going to be living together though. Yes. I feel like we've talked about this before and we were like, oh, we'll live at different houses, but I think we're going to be living together. Okay, great. That's where this friendship was born, living together. And that's where this friendship is going to die. You know, we're going to have to live (laughs) together somehow. Come on. To be fair, our friendship was born in the hallway at Humber College. That's true. Yeah, but we lived in the same residence. That's true. So we were always like living together. True. And True. even now, when we're not living together, we're still living together in my heart. Oh, sometimes I'm a sweetie. Sometimes there can be sweet. It's really nice. Since this is the very, very, very end of the episode. So if you're still here, you've like really stuck with us. Um, we might as well say we have some exciting news. So might as well give you guys a little teaser. Um, we won't tell you what it is, but stay tuned. We think you guys are really going to like this. So yeah. And it's been, it's been a plan in the works we've been thinking about this for a while for a long time so we're excited to tell you guys about it hint hint wink wink (laughs) okay we will see you guys next week see you next monday pp dobson thank you for being you and thank you for hanging out with us that was such a good time yeah i want to hang out again hang out anytime if you want Anytime. to hang out again, like we're not gonna say no. See about your next show. Yeah, can we have backstage passes, please? <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember when you talked to us for an hour through a screen? Can we have some VIP backstage backstage passes. tickets? Thanks. Love Thank you. That's the least <laughs> least you could do, you know? At least really? you could do. Okay, I think we should probably stop talking now. <laughs> we should stop talking like immediately. I love you, Persis Abraham. Love you. (laughs) Talk to you soon.